So as we continue this series, um, we're talking about mission, right? Jesus has a mission. We're talking about this idea that everybody in the body of Christ has a part to play in that mission. Uh, we are not spectators on a sideline, or, or even more so spectators up in the stands, but Jesus asks all of us to follow him onto the field and to do something. If you are an Iowa State or an Iowa fan this morning, you wish you had a chance on that field yesterday, right? Um, it, it's been a tough year for Iowa sports. Uh, but the good thing in the kingdom of God is you don't have to watch on TV. You can actually go participate in the work that Jesus has for you and for the church. And it's a work that is good, and it's holy, and it's pleasing to God. It's the work of the gospel, sharing the good news that we have heard and received as Christians with the world around us. And we've talked in this series about this incredible invitation that we receive. It's an invitation for abundant life, that we don't have to stay stuck in our sin, and, and that we don't have to stay stuck anywhere. Like, God always has this invitation to be pouring into us, growing us, and leading us in our lives. And we talked last week a lot about understanding the complexities of our culture and, and being mindful and observing, yes, things have changed. How can we move that bridge, if you remember that picture of the bridge? How can we move it or rebuild it or retool it in a way so that we can get over this divide that seems to separate the church and Christianity from the world that we live in for the sake of those people on the other side? Because God loves them too. Jesus loves them too, and he wants them to hear the good news as well. So the river is moved, and let's make sure we are people of God, open to the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us so that we don't lose the voice that we have to proclaim that good news to the world that we live in. Today we're moving a little bit more practical, and, and this is kind of step one, and then we'll go even deeper into the practical over the next couple of weeks. And we're talking about seeking what is already happening, seeking what is already happening, and using that as a jumping-off point to follow Jesus and his mission. There's a lot of things that go on in the world that Jesus is already at work in, right? You're part of one here this morning. Jesus is already at work here in us and through us as we gather together to worship and to receive the word of God and to pray together and to grieve together and to have laughs together with the kids up here singing. This is part of God's work here on this earth. And there's a lot of things like that in this world. There's a lot of things like a church gathering, but beyond that, that God is already doing that we can just kind of jump in and join with. So what do we mean? What does it mean to seek what is already happening? Um, up to this point, um, the hope that we have is that you understand the invitation to be part of Jesus' mission, and the hope is also that you have begun to look for the, those prompts in your life. You've be, you begin to look for the people that Jesus loves, and those relationships that you already have or potential relationships that you might have so that you can extend the love and grace of Jesus Christ to them. Sometimes right away. Sometimes very slowly and patiently over years as you build trust, as you get to know people. So in regards to seeking and building relationships with other Christians or with those who don't know Jesus, how do we do it? How do we seek recognize and respond to what Jesus is already doing in the lives of the people that we are enjoying. And I would add, maybe in the lives of the people you don't enjoy being around too, right? But all of us have people that we do enjoy being around. And that's a really easy place to ask, Lord, what should I be seeing here? 
what can I do? Where can I join in what you want to do here in this relationship, in this neighborhood, in this workplace? I like to say, how can we live with open eyes? How can we have eyes open to what God is doing and to what God loves and values? Last week, we talked a lot about that with the parable of the Good Samaritan. If you remember that parable, there's a priest and a Levite and a Samaritan all in this story that Jesus tells. And the priest and the Levite, they both walk by the beaten man on the road. Their eyes were not open. Their eyes were closed to the opportunity that God had for them there to do something for the kingdom of God. They were blind to the invitation to love and serve. And then comes the Samaritan, and at the cost of personal time, at the cost of personal finances and expense, this Samaritan showed this person mercy, love, and compassion. Because the Samaritan's eyes were not blind to what God was doing in that moment, were they? They were not blind. And the Samaritan was willing to pause and seek and join what Jesus was doing. It's a very good story. Go back and read it if you weren't part of that conversation last week, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And so this idea of seeking what Jesus is already doing around you begins when we ask Jesus to open our eyes. There's a song that was written in the late 80s, 90s, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, I want to see you. Exactly. Like, that should be our prayer here. That is a good prayer to get us moving in the right direction, to be able to see what Jesus is already doing around us. This prayer will help us to see what he sees. Help us to see what he sees. And help us to discern how to join in what, with what we see. So the words of Jesus in our Matthew passage this morning, they paint an incredibly sharp distinction from what our culture values today. And how our culture operates today. And I want to go through this section again. Matthew 6, 25-34. And I invite you, if you have a Bible with you or you want to grab the few Bible in front of you, I'll give you a moment here. Um, to pull that out. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Jesus is speaking here, and he begins like this. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? That contrasts to our culture pretty heavily, right? We tend to live in a culture that values image and perception and, and projection of a certain image. Um, that's what most of social media is built around, if you haven't noticed that already. And we are in the midst of an anxiety pandemic in our culture as well. Not necessarily depression, not necessarily um, diagnosable sorts of things, but there are so many anxious people in our culture and in our world and in our schools, anxious about grades, anxious about being accepted, anxious about money, anxious about looks, anxious about the future, anxious, anxious, anxious. And we live in a world that sort of feeds off that fear and that anxiety, right? Is not life more than those things that give us anxiety? Is it not more than the superficial things like food? What am I going to eat today? Or clothing? What should I wear? There is an abundant life in Jesus Christ that goes well beyond the physical in the short term. And that's what Jesus is trying to draw our attention to. It goes into our whole being and it has eternal implications. 
So if you walked in here anxious today, I hope that as we move through this, you'll begin to experience peace and you'll regain some perspective. Most of the times when I find myself anxious, it's because I've lost my perspective. I've lost my foundation for a moment. And I've begun to think or, or go down a road in my mind that is quite different from the truth that Jesus has given me to live by. So I want us to get back on that foundation this morning. I want us to reorient our, our minds around um, the things that we don't have to be anxious about, like Jesus' lordship of our lives. Jesus continues in verse 26. He says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither, neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So God provides for the birds, right? Um, but those birds were not created in God's image like you were. How many of you have noticed birds around Story City a lot lately? Where, where do those birds, those big black birds, where do they like to sit? Anybody? Right up there on the bell tower. And if they're not on the bell tower, what tower are they on? The water tower, yes, yes. So we all see the birds, and guess what? Those birds don't have a care in the world. Even though they are maybe less than desirable large black crows, God is still providing for them. And if God provides for those birds, how much more is he going to provide for those whom he created in his image to have a relationship with him? Those birds were not created to know God. But we are. And we are valuable to God. Jesus drives home that point there. That's a good truth, foundation to orient your life on this morning. Verse 27, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of those. So can being anxious add time to our lives? No. It can steal time from our lives, right? Now, I know, I know that not everyone chooses to be anxious. I also do not choose to be anxious. And it's not as easy as saying, don't be anxious. Okay, let's move on, right? It's not that easy. We know that. I know there's often underlying thought patterns or habits or, or mental configurations, and, and some people struggle with anxiety more than others. But even in the midst of that anxiety, this is where Jesus meets us. He doesn't ask us not to be anxious so that we can then receive the gospel. He proclaims the gospel in to the anxiety. Even in the midst of it, we find peace and comfort in the arms of Jesus Christ, who has promised to provide for all that we need. God has made the flowers of the field, and those are just blips on a radar, right? Most of those are brown now, because we finally got a frost. Uh, our basil plant went from this to this in about a day. Sorry, Patty, you won't be able to get any more basil, yes. But it's just a blip on the radar. And you, humanity, the pinnacle of creation, are infinitely more cared for and beautiful than the flowers. So rest in that this morning as well. Verse 30. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, 
or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. This is where Jesus is going with this passage, with these analogies. We spend the vast majority of our lives either sleeping or thinking about what we are going to eat or wear or how we're going to pay for it. Would that be a fair summary? We, we spend far more time worried and concerned about those things, and they sort, of, they, they sort of take our eyes off of the prize. They take our eyes off of what Jesus calls us to be seeking, and Jesus here reminds us that we never even had to worry about those things in the first place. Seek first the kingdom of God. Here is the purpose of Jesus talking about worry and contrasting what we spend most of our time with. Wrapped up in this is a pastoral message to the anxious, right? Directly from Jesus. Jesus offers a more abundant way of life. Even if you are experiencing anxiety or being, becoming anxious from time to time, the message here is that Jesus' life offers more than that. And you don't ever have to just settle for that anxiety. We are called to seek first his kingdom, to seek first the things of God, the things that are holy and pleasing and true, to build our lives on those things, to spend our time and our resources and our energy on those things that Jesus values and spends his time and energy and resources on. We have an invitation to join in Jesus' kingdom mission. It is a kingdom and a mission with everlasting and eternal implications. Whereas what we tend to spend our time on in this life, as a culture, are things that are going to be gone tomorrow. Things we can't take us with us when we go, right? So we're seeking the kingdom of God. And I love preaching on the kingdom of God. That's probably why you hear me do it frequently. It's been parts of big sermon series we've done here in the last four years since um, we've been here as part of your staff. And um, I've shared times before, I had some really good transformative experiences in my experience with different congregations and churches over the years that helped me conceptualize and, and have a heart, a desire for the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is what we want to live in, right? Not the kingdom of man, not the kingdom of sin and brokenness. And so this language shows up in scripture quite a bit. And there's this hand-in-hand -hand nature between seeking first the kingdom of God and paying attention to the Holy Spirit in your life. My prayer is that many of us here who have not had the experience and the foundation of the Holy Spirit and, and seeking after the kingdom of God, my prayer is that we would experience that that we would come to have that same sort of fervor for what God is doing, what the purpose of his mission is. And so we want to recap this kingdom of God theology just a little bit here. Um, and in the book, if you're doing the Joining Jesus book or some of the study materials or the videos with this, um, this is going to show up in there. Um, and I feel like it's a really good way to explain how Jesus is working in this phrase, the kingdom of God. Greg Finke writes, the kingdom of God has come into the world to work out the mission of God through the people of God. 
The kingdom of God has come into the world to work out the mission of God through the people of God. And if you're a follower of Jesus, that's you. You're the people of God. So let's break this down, each part of that. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the redemptive presence and activity of God in human lives. This is what God brings to the table in a world that walked away from him. This is what God brings to the table in a world full of challenges and sin and suffering and death and all of the other things that drag us down. This is what God is bringing to the table, and it is good. He's breaking into the brokenness for the sake of people experiencing healing and life through Jesus Christ. So the kingdom of God is this. It's God walking with Adam and Eve in the garden after they sin. God walks with them after they sin as he walks with us. This is God saving Noah and his family from destruction. This is God working in and through Moses and burning bushes and pillars of fire and sea partings. The kingdom of God is the prophets declaring God's favor or oftentimes God's warning against his people. The kingdom of God is John the Baptist honoring the coming Christ and preparing a way. The kingdom of God is very well played out in Jesus' life and in his ministry, and in his death and resurrection. The kingdom of God is Jesus' followers, ministry, and work, along with Paul and the early Christians who were filled with the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is even this reformation that we're going to mark in a couple weeks, where the church was called back to the wisdom and the teachings of Scripture, not the institutions of man. The kingdom of God is mission work, it is tent rallies, it is evangelist. It is so many different things, and we see it all over God's work in Scripture. Those are some big things, but what about the little things? The kingdom of God is Abraham trusting, just simply trusting that God was going to give a future that he couldn't see. It's a Samaritan stopping to help a beaten man along the roadside. It's a mother who sings amazing grace to her newborn. It's a Sunday school teacher instilling the love of Jesus into kids. Well, that's the kingdom of God. It's a father who explains to his son the difference between human pride and godly humility. The kingdom of God is every little or big thing that God wants to do and is doing in your life and in the world around us. So we don't always have to think of it in terms of burning bushes. Oftentimes we think of it in terms of those, those things. The kingdom of God has come into the world to work out the, the mission of God, to fulfill the mission of God. What is that? To bring the redemption and the restored relationships with God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is our mission, to bring redemption and restored relationships with God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why the church exists. That's the mission of Jesus. That's the mission of his followers. This is uh, the redeeming and restoring of human lives to the kingdom, to the family of God, to the grace of God through knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. This is the mission. This is, these are going to be the outcomes of this mission when it is fulfilled. People are going to be restored to God through the gospel. And this happens through the people of God, as we've already said. The redemptive presence and activity of God made tangible and real to other humans through other humans, through those people who are already living in the kingdom of God. 
And so I hope this lays out almost like this linear thought progression for you. God's mission, the kingdom of God, God's mission to fulfill it through us to the world, right? In us and through us to the world. So where does this lead us today? Well, as we keep saying, Jesus does have a mission. We're going to keep saying that until everybody's on board, right? Jesus has a mission to bring the kingdom of God here and now in this place. Every time we plan a worship gathering here in Emmanuel, we want you to experience the presence of God here in this place. We want you to experience the kingdom of God in a more real way, in a more tangible way, so that you're encouraged to participate in the kingdom of God when you leave here. And Jesus instructs us that living for his kingdom, seeking it first before all the other things that we seek in life, that is where we find abundant life. So joining Jesus on his mission means that we are willing to seek first the kingdom of God. We put on our kingdom glasses, and we begin living with an openness to be led by the Holy Spirit, and to answer when God calls, and to listen when God speaks, and to follow when he nudges us and say, come with me over here. It's an openness to jump in and join the work that Jesus is already doing. So next week, Allison is going to start digging into the more practical hows. But in the meantime, I just want to leave you with this this morning. Each and every day of your life, you are invited into this abundant life. Daily. Just as the, the scriptures tell us to take up our cross daily and follow Jesus, this invitation of abundant life is daily. It's not like it comes once a week or once a year. It's daily. And it's only going to be found in Jesus Christ. Not something else tomorrow than it was today. It's Jesus today and tomorrow, and the next day it's Jesus, and the day after that it's Jesus, and so forth. And each and every day when you live into that reality, you will begin to live with an eagerness and a hunger to experience the wonders of God. And you'll be invited to seek first the kingdom and know that God has provided for you, that God loves you, and that God wants others to know of his love as well. So I challenge you this week, meditate on this. Seek first the kingdom of God. What does that look like in your life? Where, where do you have walls or blinders or things that are prohibiting you from seeing the kingdom of God in your life and around you? Don't be anxious about the things that this world continually tells you you should be anxious about. But start with Jesus. Start with our Lord and Savior. Start with the fact that Jesus cares for you. And start with what else is it that Jesus cares about. Trust in Jesus to lead you, bless you, and give meaning to your life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you um, for this concept of a kingdom that we get to be a part of. And it makes sense, Lord, because we call you King Jesus, we call you Lord. And as we look through history, we know that kings are the lords over their kingdom. We pray this morning, God, um, for us to realize that on a more personal level in our lives. We often have things in our lives that we don't want to give up and give over to you. We don't always want you to be the Lord of our finances or the Lord of our emotions or we don't want you to be the Lord of our family or of our time. And for those things, Lord, we confess our sin and we repent. 
And we ask, Lord, that you would restore us to relationship to you in those areas. So this morning, Lord, we simply ask this, that you would give us open eyes to your kingdom. You would give us open eyes to the work that you are doing first in our own lives. Lord, if there are any of us here this morning that just feel like you're not working in our lives, I pray, Lord, that you would show us how you are. That you would make it clear that you are a God who loves us and cares for us. And from there, Lord, I pray that you would um, continue to open our eyes to those around us. That we may see um, those very real and oftentimes obvious ways that you can be the good in this world that this world needs. That you can be the hope and the peace and the light in this world that this world needs, Lord. And that you want us to be part of that. So, Lord, help us to seek first the kingdom of God. Help us to see what Jesus is doing and go and join it. Lord, all of these things we lift up in Jesus' name. Amen.